Welcome, everyone. I'm so excited to tell you about this podcast. It's called The DK Project, but it's really The Darren Show. The DK Project is a radio show, but without the radio. So sit back, buckle up, and enjoy the ride. Let's go! All right, kids, it's your old boy, DK, coming to you live from the studio. We are putting out another episode today, but I wanted to quick give you a little podcasting 101. I know some of you are new to the podcasting world, so let me explain how it works. We put out shows with content to entertain you, and we ask in return that you spread the word. Tell your friends, share it on social media. Make sure everybody you talk to knows that you're a fan of the DK Project, so we don't miss out on any listeners. We want to make sure everybody's getting entertained and having fun with the show. And you're also supporting our advertisers so we can keep things rolling along at the DK Project. So get everyone to like the show, subscribe, and even give us a review. Tell all your friends, thanks for the help. This concludes today's edition of Podcasting 101. Now a word from our sponsor. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Lost Lake Creamery, located in Mound Harbor District, just on the north end of Cooks Bay of Lake Minnetonka, just off the Dakota Bike Trail. Stop in and see us. 24 flavors of hard-scooped ice cream. Get some ice cream on the way to the lake or on your way home from the lake. Ice cream fixes everything, so why not stop by today? Open from noon to nine. Stop in and see us. Don't let summer slip away. Welcome back to the DK Project. Zooming in today, we've got Eric Morris, actor, construction worker, waterproofer. Man, the resume's getting long, huh? I uh, I think it's nice that a couple of really good looking dudes like us can get together over Zoom and uh, and uh, we'll have to, oh wait I got to record this so that I can show the video to people now people can see what I'm talking about just a couple of uh, a good looking dudes and uh, thank God for video right no I'm looking at your I'm looking at your IMDb anyway how you doing sir you uh, you good I'm good man just just hanging in there how about yourself. I am good. I'm good. And the, and the reason why I bring that up about a couple good looking dudes is uh, you've got some stuff on your IMDb, man. Damn. You, uh, you're playing the, uh, the uh, construction working uh, muscle man on the, on these TV shows, huh? Are you doing more movies or TV? <laughs> That's all smoke and mirrors, man. So, uh, you know, oh, what if they the, could do that uh, for me and they put hair in there. I uh, I did read on there too. You've been married for uh, forever, is that right? Yeah, man. She, she still hadn't caught on, man. So you know. Oh snap! That's go good. As far as it'll sell. <laughs> I, I uh, so so you're uh, well, you're in Texas, right? No, you're in Atlanta. Yeah, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia, and you've been uh, you've been in the acting world for how long? About uh, almost five years, uh, four and a half. Something like that. Not so, very long. I'm so still what did rookie. you do before that? Well, I, I've always had my, well, I'm an entrepreneur. I own my own company. But as far as the arts and entertainment, I was a musician. I used to play guitar. I still do play, but I'd play and sing, you know, out at restaurants, bars, things like that. I did okay. that for years. Really? So, and then one day you just said, hey, I think I want to be an actor? <laughs> it kind of happened indirectly. I was actually looking at a guy's house uh, in, for, for my business and we got to talking and he said he was from Los Angeles and he uh, used to train at uh, an acting st- uh, studio called Beverly Hills Playhouse. And I started asking questions and he could tell that I was interested. So he invited me to his uh, acting class that was close to where I lived at the time. And um, really, I never, man, yeah. 
had you had any had you had any uh 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 had you had any uh, acting training prior to that i mean that's a big step because then you got to go in there and do like you know i'm actually at a point where i'm thinking about doing some improv stuff um but it's like god that's such a big step you know like you're really exposing yourself right now i can hide in this little world where i am and nobody can see me and that's the beauty of podcasting and radio is you know i've got the face for it it's that's for sure but you know to really put yourself out there you you take acting classes or improv classes or do some stand up and uh, mm-hmm. that's a huge leap especially if you're coming from like a construction background you know now you got to like pretty yourself up and uh you know read right. lines and act and I'll, uh yeah. it's funny cuz i'm a, a commercial voiceover uh person and mm-hmm. um and, you know, and I've wanted to do it my whole life. And, and I thought it's easy. You're just reading lines, you know, you put a little this into it, a little that, and it's not man acting is hard. And, and, and it's, yeah. and it's more difficult when people can't see you. Cause then you really have to act with just the, the sounds of your voice. Um, yeah. but how did you, how, how was your first impression of being out there? Like, ta-da! you know, like now I'm acting. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, the fact that it is very difficult is what I liked about it. Um, it's challenging, you know, to, I've always been, you know, interested in the arts, playing music and giving something to an audience. So that's been kind of my addiction and, and that's rewarding for me. So when I got into acting, it's like really amplified because now it's a visual art. Uh, you've got to be sincere in your emotions and, you know, being a, a character for that scene or whatever it may be. And this actually was very hard for me. And that's what I liked about it. I mean, some people it comes more natural than others. Right. One of them, you know, uh, growing up as a kid, uh, I was raised in a, you know, kind of a whatever, not the best, you know, environment, but I was kind of learned, I learned, I was taught not to really show a lot of emotion as a child. And so being an adult, having to learn how to show that and actually convince somebody, you know, uh, it just was, uh, it's hard, man. And I'm mm-hmm. still, it's a never ending process. I still train all the time. Well, and I just it's fun to me, but for a, for a five year, for a five year run, actually, this looks like it's more four years. You've got quite a resume built up. You, uh, I might have to get the name of your agent because, uh, somebody's doing something right, man. Holy snot. You, uh, you've been in some stuff now is a lot of this stuff, um, TV or, or are you doing movies too? That's a pretty even mix. I, I do a good bit of commercials as well, but that's not, that's not listed on my IMDb. Yeah. Just a different type of resume. But, uh, but yeah, I, um, just whatever comes my way. I, I've treated the acting thing kind of like a business. And so, you know, I trained and got decent enough. And so how long started, did you go? How long did you go to training? How many, how long did you go to classes? Well, the first class that I through the, uh, the gentleman that was at Beverly Hills Playhouse, um, two years, at least two years straight, just every week, uh, did workshops, uh, when, uh, somebody would come to town, uh, I would take other workshops at other studios and I still do that occasionally. Mm-hmm. I'm not actually training in a weekly class like I should be. Um, but I plan to get back into it a little bit more when maybe this fire thing is over, uh, things kind of pick back up cause they've been very slow in the industry yeah. uh, because the productions are just on pause right now. Yeah, so, uh, nobody can do yeah, anything. Man, just, uh, just continue to train. Cause it's a never ending exercise. You have to constantly stay at it. And every time I've been on set, every time I go to a class, I'll learn something new and you just work it. You know, I shot an audition this morning 
it was a, a teleprompter type deal. This was a an in-house industrial commercial that I had an audition for. And I've gotten good at reading uh, teleprompters uh, and I have my own. So I kind of, you know, I use my laptop and I set it up and yeah, make it where I'm writing. You know, it's, there's things you just learn with when you do it yourself. Um, so yeah, man, I saw, uh, there's always something new. So well, did you I find that, uh, were you, were you an avid reader before you went down this Avenue? An avid uh, a reader? reader? Like, did you read a lot? Like just yeah. books and, and news? I would read as what I need to, to, to learn, you know, like, yeah. um, I was one of, I'm one of those guys that if I, if I'm, if I'm interested in something, I'm going to read it and learn and learn how to do it. Okay. I, I don't really read for the sake of just like, I've never been a novel kind right, of reader. Right. Okay. You know, just not that kind of guy. Yeah. No. Well, cause I know reading off a teleprompter and, and reading, uh, reading in that fashion and trying to make it your own. You know, that's what I, that's what I sometimes struggle with is because I, you know, I can sit here and talk shit all day and rattle off whatever, you know, be funny, do this, do that. I can do any of that. But when you start mm-hmm. doing other people's words and you're reading other people's words, that really puts a twist on it that people don't understand that, you know, cause a lot yeah. of the stuff that you see, a lot of the stuff that you read to audition for, that's not how you would say it. You know, like I wouldn't speak that way. Um, but the real question it. is, do you do everything in that accent? Or do you do you have a way? Do you, do you can you speak without the 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 accent? Yeah, I can clean it up a little bit, but just just talking. This is me. Yeah, you know, this is how I talk. Um, if you watch some of my footage, you know that's on my pages. You'll see where I, I do tone it down. But you know, I'm just a hillbilly at heart. It's never going away. You Did know? you have to so go to training to do that? Uh, no, I just practice. Uh, I, I just listen to uh, XM radio, and I'll find some DJs or whatever, and I just start trying to sound like them as much as possible to try to clean up my accent. Uh, but you know, like I say, it's still here. Yeah. I, I deal with it. it. It is a problem in the industry because a lot of uh, things that I get cast or auditions for, they're looking for somebody with no accent. Right. Know? So um, when it does come up, they want somebody with a Southern accent. I usually see those types of auditions and, you know, it's whatever, man. You yeah. know, I can clean it up, but I'm never going to be the guy that's going to be doing Shakespeare anytime soon. <laughs> Who would want to anyway? I, uh, just the outfits alone. <laughs> so, so, uh, so the the acting and whatnot is kind of a, a side hustle for you because your primary gig is is construction waterproofing, right? That's right. Yeah, I uh, have my own company. Uh, my family we run it together. My son works for me. Uh, my wife we. Uh, uh, just being self-employed. I've been this way for a, a long time, uh, just working for myself. I've mm-hmm. had a real job at one point in my life, but I don't make the best employee. Uh-huh. Uh, I just like to create my own, and um, I feel more secure that way instead yeah. of having to depend on somebody else. For sure. So, yeah, acting is very similar in the same way. It is a business, too. So yeah. um, it's like having two businesses, um, just one business I'm really selling myself more so. But even in my own company, I'm, I still am selling myself and the company all the time, every yeah. day. So, well, and and you're you're doing so. What drew you to basement waterproof or waterproofing? I just shouldn't say basements because where you live, they don't necessarily have basements. Yeah, they do here in Atlanta. Uh, a lot of basements. Oh, they do. Uh, when you get so far south, that's when they stop. When you get down around like the Florida state line, I mean, it's no more basements. Everybody's on a slab. Okay, okay. Well, what drew you to waterproofing? Like, because that's not. 
like here it's mandatory. Uh, I'm in Minnesota and it's part oh, of the building code. You have to waterproof. There's no two bits yeah. about it. There's actually a waterproofing inspection that they'll come out and look to make sure you did it correctly. Um, but where you're at, they don't have that. Well, that's the beauty about Georgia. Waterproofing uh, for new homes and construction is very, you know, it's, it's a joke. They don't really like in Minnesota. There's nobody really inspecting that. They don't wear really the waterproof. They just kind of, they do what's called damp proofing here, which is really just spray some, you know, some, some tar on the wall and yeah. just to try to make it somewhat water resistant. And over time, um, you know, that, that usually fails or there's cracks that evolve or there's old, old concrete block foundations. Um, most of the homes that we work on are going to be concrete block uh-huh. foundations. And you know, it rains all the time in Georgia. So when you have the basements, bad waterproofing jobs in concrete block, that's just a recipe for needing waterproofing on your house. Well, and so, I know I, um, I've run into it a bunch of times, but so are you doing drain tile and sump pump and the whole bit, or are you just doing the exterior of the, the block surface to try and keep the water out? Or are you, uh, putting in like a mitigation type system where if the water would get to this point, you know, with mine, it, there's drain tile all around the edge of the basement and then it all dumps into a sump and then pumps out you know, far away from the house. Um, and, and like that, like I said, that's almost standard here. I don't know that I, what's so different in, in Georgia that they don't make that mandatory. You know what I mean? Like you have different soil there that, that is not conducive to as much water flow. I don't know. Well, the type of types of, to answer your question, the types of repairs that we do, we do, uh, all types. We do, uh, we also, we excavate, we'll waterproof from the outside if it makes sense, or we'll go in and do a primitive drain system. Uh, drain tile around the inside perimeter to a sump pump. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's all types. It just depends on the property yeah. uh, and what the conditions are that makes the most sense to, to, to mitigate the problem. Uh, we also do foundation repair as well. So it kind of goes hand in hand with what we do. But uh, in Georgia, I'm not sure what's up with the, the building codes here for that kind of stuff. They just don't have a true waterproofing requirement. And I can't really tell you why. Um, I think a lot of builders, they finished basements uh, or they don't finish basements say they leave it unfinished so they don't have to waterproof maybe i don't know the specifics on that yeah um it's a problem i mean um i see a lot of it and most of the homes that we're dealing with is older houses where crawl spaces are involved concrete block you know newer homes not so much but i will see them occasionally um that's hardcore i mean it's it's uh, you know and i don't want to sound rude but it's 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 generally not a job that uh that uh you know a, a good looking guy who does acting you know what i mean that's such polar opposites that the concrete uh waterproofing sump pump i mean i've got i own a lot of real estate and that is like the ugliest job in the whole building trade to come into a house and bust the floor out to put in class five you're trucking it up through the oh my gosh it's it's, it's- brutal but I'm sure you're at a point where you're, you're not you you're not doing it yourself. You got guys out there, right? I'm not doing it anymore. I'm you know I, I mean I I will and I do it occasionally, but not every day. Yeah, um, it's oh. rough work. It's very 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 labor intensive. Everything about it. And For sure. The only time it's not is when we're doing like new work on commercial buildings or something. Yeah, that's a lot easier always than residential. That's just a backbreaking nightmare when you, you know? never know what you're going to run into when you get into a 
you know, a, a 1900s or 1800s built house and you're trying to go in there and put in drain tile, you don't know what's in there. You know, I, 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 I had literally just put a house on the market or I sold a house, I don't know, three months ago or something. It's a house I had for a long time. Um, and mm-hmm. I decided I was going to add an, uh, another ba- bathroom in the basement. So I got all my permits and did all my stuff. And I was actually, uh, uh, traveling and my wife helps me out with the business. So she was over oh. there and they busted the floor out to put the plumbing in. And, and yeah. there was a, a, a 10 foot round circle, seven feet deep with just, you know, the, the th- three, four inches of concrete, uh, you know, an old cistern or something that they just laid concrete over the top. And, uh, you know, so then you're faced with, well, shoot, what do I do with this? I can't, you know, you got to fill it. Um, but it's, it's, there's so many mysteries underneath concrete that, you know, I get mm-hmm. a charge out of it when I go to look at houses, uh, to buy or renovate or whatever I'm going to do with them. And you walk around in the basement floor and you can hear the different sounds of like, there's a huge pocket right here where there's nothing underneath me and you just don't know what you're going to find. So you start busting it up to put in drain tile and holy snip, you know, there's Pandora's box under there. Pretty soon you're yeah. doing the whole thing over again. That's right. Yeah, man. We I've seen some crazy stuff. I mean, you never know, especially when we're doing excavations, like an outside uh, dig around a, a foundation or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, we think we know what we're going to encounter, but there's been times you'll, you know, you'll find an old stump that you didn't know was there. Uh, you know, maybe granite, you hit a rock vein and yeah. you can't dig. Uh, there's a lot of things that can change that scope of work quickly. Well, plus there's uh, a lot of shit that's buried because in those olden days when they did the houses, they just threw all the junk in the yard and covered it up. You know, you'll find an old pile of whatever. It's bad, you know. But yeah, it's got to be interesting. But man, that is serious labor right there. I uh, I I used to have a crew that did those for me, and uh, I just no way too much too much. Work. I've been in construction my whole life, man. Uh, ever since I was a little kid. I used to, I started out, you know, with working for a framing crew when mm-hmm. I was about 14. Mm-hmm. And um, I started out as cleaning out houses ever for a builder. You know, I'd clean up the job sites, blow up paint cans. That's what I would like to do. I started fire and throw all the trash in and explode stuff just for fun. Yeah. And, uh, and then I'd sweep out the houses and then I started toting lumber. Um, you know, I just, I enjoyed construction as a child. That's just what I was into. And then as I got older, you know, I started getting bigger jobs, working on commercial work. And then I blossomed into, um, from, you know, I just came up the ranks. Um, I wound up becoming what's called a senior field engineer, which is a guy who does all the layout. I never went to college, but I had guys that had tech degrees that worked for me. And, uh, I built several multi-family 50 story high rises. Wow. Uh, I used to have a real job. That's what I mean. Uh, I worked for a heavy general contractors. Uh, we used to do, I've done several buildings here in Atlanta and um, that was just before the economy tanked back in what, Oh, seven, Oh eight. Yeah. That time frame. And that's when I w- had a chance to get out of it. And I, I went into a franchise. It's a restoration franchise. And I had a partner and uh, we started doing water damage mitigation, uh, you know, fire, smoke damage, Hell stuff yeah. like that. Like surf pro, those guys. Um, it was called Paul Davis, which is a similar franchise like Surf Pro. Yeah. Uh, that taught me how to be a business owner because it was hard to walk away from a career where I was making 80000 a year, company truck. You know, I mean, I had a, I had a good job. Yeah. Um, the next step was going to be superintendent or whatever, you know, and I just didn't. I felt like I kind of topped out. You know, I was like, well, this kind of sucks. It's not what I really expected. And I didn't like it. 
I didn't, like I said, I don't make, didn't make the best employee, but I was really good at what I did. Yeah. And back to reading books. I used to go to Barnes and Noble when I was young, when I wanted to learn how to become an engineer. And, um, I used to sit at home and read books, you know, and, and train and learn how to do this stuff. And then I worked alongside another engineer for a long time. And I just picked up, I just picked up on it really quickly and I became very efficient and I became known as the high rise engineer. Everybody knew who I was. Nice. Uh, yeah, I toot my own horn here, but I, I had several job offers all the time uh, from Turner, other big contractors to go travel and do other jobs. But I stayed here in Atlanta most of the time. And when the economy tanked, I was so I was miserable where I was at and uh, I had a chance to get out of it. And I walked away and it was a struggle in the franchise because I had a bad territory, but it taught me how to be a businessman. And um and then from there, that's how I discovered this waterproofing thing. We didn't, you don't do that in that type of work. That's insurance yeah. claim stuff. You know, them guys don't want to do what I do. <laughs> just, they want to just set up some dehumidifiers and fans and charge five grand and walk away. <laughs> I, so I, I got to tell you, I got a, I got a, I got a brand new sponsor. I literally just recorded the commercial for a restoration company. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm not even kidding. Like, like I was going to put it in this episode and now I'm like, maybe I should wait. Maybe I should wait. I, uh, yeah, don't give it. They, they work hard. I mean, yeah. Oh no, it's an amazing business, but it takes a certain, uh, it's a different mentality because you have to deal with the insurance companies. I mean, I, I actually just had a huge claim on a project I was doing and they handled the whole thing. The buildbacks and things like that. There's no money in it. Uh, the restoration, you know, side of it, building back remodeling is very risky. The margins are low, but when you get into like the water damage uh, or you're setting up drying equipment, those margins are good. I mean, those <laughs> are good. And I know firsthand what it's like. So I know what them guys go through. Yeah. Um, you know, and you can do very well. Matter of fact, my partner that I had at the time, he had another location and he had a huge area uh, south of Atlanta. I mean, he was turning over $10 million a year. Wow. I mean, so they were killing, you know, uh, we couldn't, we were out in the country bumpkin area where there was just nothing, you know, and trying to make it. And I did, but just barely. I mean, yeah. we were straightened by. Uh, well, I walked away from it, gave business. it all back to my partner. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Take it from it. Well, and it, but, it, it's a tough business because you got to juggle a lot of, you know, you're being a, a general contractor and kind of a liaison between the the homeowner and the, and the insurance agency. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it's not for everybody. I, uh, I used to own an insurance agency, so I know the the value of a good restoration company because they totally, mm-hmm. you know, they could they could ease a problem uh, like a drop of a hat. But if you're having trouble making those connections and getting, you know, if you're in an area where there's just not a lot of s- storms or water damage, you know, then 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 it's a difficult business because it's really, yeah. you know, tragedy dependent, uh, you know, or crisis dependent. And if and if you're not in an area where that's up, then you know, it's, it's not the right racket. Yeah. And at the time, you know, a lot of guys started trying to get into that industry because, you know, the economy had tanked and they were trying to figure out ways to have to work. So a lot of people started getting, trying to get into this whole restoration thing yeah. because it's insurance money, you know, a customer's not having to pay to their pocket. Right. So, um, when I got out of it, I stayed in it for about five years and I, I started Morris environmental, which is what we are today. Mm-hmm. Now I, I, I take pride in, I specialize in work that's not covered by insurance, you know, 
Um, because everybody, I'll see HVAC guys, plumbers, roto looter for God's sake, that does water fire mold. It's just like ridiculous. Everybody does it now. Yeah. So, uh, my stuff that we do is still, you got to have, I mean, it is, my stuff is very real estate transaction dependent. Uh, but, you know, when you got water coming in your basement, I mean, it's, it's a, you know, it's a necessity to get it fixed. It's not right. an aesthetic thing. Yeah. You need it done. But the insurance doesn't cover it. So, my competition is a lot more expensive than us because I'm able to keep, you know, I'm still small, but we're, we're doing well. Uh, but uh, our sales are really driven by word of mouth and just delivering on excellent customer service. Well, and I find that's, that's a big factor in, you know, I do a ton of real estate and construction. We flip a lot of houses and blah, 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 blah. But I think that's a, a huge key to your industry is having the word of mouth and the positive feedback from people because when you're dealing with something like what you are with with uh uh you know water in the basement or or trying to keep water out of the basement and um what do you got a deer in your house (laughs) 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 that's a black tailed deer right there (laughs) it's my pet deer (laughs) dude you are living Actually, we adopted a greyhound. He used to, he was a former race dog, you okay. know, and uh, poor guy. I mean, I just to tell everybody he didn't make the cut. He wasn't fast enough. That's why he had to retire <laughs> early, you know, but uh, he's a great dog, man. He's uh, very quiet. You know, if you're, if you, anybody out there just listening, if you're looking about thinking about getting a dog, check out a greyhound. They never bark. They don't smell. Uh, they're just amazing dogs, man. And they great. look like a, they look like a deer when they're in the back of the, the camera shot. They look <laughs> like, you all see them at Christmas time. We'll put the little, we put the little antlers on them and, uh, <laughs> it looks just like a little deer. <laughs> they, uh, but no, I was saying that they, um, uh, you know, when, when you get to a point where, where people are dealing with water in their basement or they're trying to, to dry their basement, you know, word of mouth and, and that, and that feedback from prior customers is so key because I, I know for myself, I, I hate more than anything, just randomly calling and finding Joe Schmo to come out and do something because, you know, like anything in the construction industry, there's a lot of people out there that aren't up to snuff. They're not legit. They're, they're just fly by night, you know, uh, and, and, and it's tough. So if you build a reputation as, as being the guy, you know, and being small enough to handle the, uh, the big jobs yet, keep it, you know, personal enough to where they, they feel like they're getting the attention they deserve. That's huge, man. That's really a big factor in your, in, in the construction world. It is. It's a tough line to walk because we're growing, but you know, it's when you start to grow, you know, you're going to see that customer service is going to start to deteriorate just a little bit because, you know, most of my customers are dealing with me. Yeah. So deal with somebody else. Nobody cares about this more than I do. Exactly. You know, exactly. It's, uh, but you know, it's part of business. That's how it is. You know, so we're, we're, uh, that's where we're at. We're growing right now and it's been tough. I'm actually trying to find employees and right now it's almost impossible. I mean, yeah. I can't get, I mean, I'm like, you know, what the world, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to say. I, I don't know. It seems uh, nobody wants to work or everybody. Well, and, and, and it's hard enough to find people to work, but to do the work that you have, come on. That's, oh, yeah. Yeah. that's a it's rare special. breed right there. <laughs> Yeah, it is tough, man. It, it it's rough. Uh, it takes the right person, and um, I've gone through several, you know. But but the guys I have that work with me steady, I've known them. I mean, one of them's my son, you uh-huh. know. So 
the other ones I've, I've known since they were little. I mean, I've they've grown up with my son, you know, so they're kind of like a, we're all like a little family here. Sure. I bring in somebody new that I don't know. I have to really watch them and then wait and see if they're going to work out. You can yeah. usually tell pretty quickly. Well, and once you get, and that's, that's been some of the problem with, with some of my companies and growth. It's like, you just can't depend on anyone to care about your company as much as you do. You know, they, they, uh, I own an ice cream store. Uh, I've got the cameras here so I can watch the kids do whatever. And we'll, we'll, we'll be like nine o'clock and it's closing and people show up and they're like, Oh, it's nine o'clock. We're closing. I'm like, we don't ever turn anyone away. I mean, if I'm here and, and you know, I'll scoop it myself, like, you know, but that's just because it's mine, you know, uh, and, and with my other businesses, it's like, people don't care about quality and, and going through the work to get it done right the way that's that right. you do, because it's your name, it's your company where they're just like, I don't care, you know, let him yeah. figure it out. And, and it, yeah. and it really sucks. Cause, uh, in this day and age with construction and, and so many, um, people being self-employed, there's a lot of competition out there. So if you, if you do find somebody uh, who isn't related to you and becomes a, a great employee and does really well, you got to pay them so much money or they'll be like, screw it. I'll just go open my own shop, you know, and, yeah. and take all these customers with me. And it happens all the time. And it's very frustrating because try to find any kind of skilled labor right now. No way. It's just not out there. Kids don't want to work anymore. They just don't, they don't have right. to. It's, it's sad. But yeah, it's, it's a dying breed, man. It's hard to find guys that want to do construction in general. Yeah, you know, that are not from Mexico that are new here. Uh, that's just the facts. Um, yeah. Finding guys that you know are from here, they just a lot of young people. They just don't have the interest right yeah. now. I think it will come back around the next generation. Uh, so many young people that are older now were taught they have to go to college. You got to go to college, you know, to do anything. And you don't. I mean, that's just the facts. I right. mean, you want to be successful in this country, you just need to learn how to get out and sell something and yep. sell a service or a product and be good at it. Well, not be afraid to get your hands dirty, you know, that's, get to work. Exactly. And that's where the blue collar industry comes in. A lot of guys are scared to go into that. And I think, uh, what's it, Mike Rowe, you know, he's preaching that all the time. The guy who did dirty jobs. Oh, yeah. I love that dude, man, because he's so right. There's so much opportunity out there and these trades are never going away no. uh, but the more scarce it becomes to get people to fill them the more expensive it's going to be uh, because you know supply and demand yeah. if nobody's doing it I mean well right now I got to think there aren't a lot of uh, labor coming over the border anymore because we got that shut down due to the pandemic yep. uh, you know so if they aren't here they're not getting here and and you know I've got a few uh, uh, Mexican dudes that work for me and and you know call it whatever you want. These guys work like oh, hundred degrees out. They got long sleeves and pants on and they're not, they're not asking for a water break every 10 minutes, you know? So no, it's, 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 no. it's different because the mentality of this younger generation, they don't want to, they don't want to, you know, do the labor jobs. My, uh, 29 year old son does heating and air. He bends tin all day. He loves okay. it. He makes solid money. You know, that's a good job, but pe good job. people don't yeah. want to do it. You know, they don't, they don't want to work with their hands. They don't want to make anything. And that, and I think that's where we're going to, you know, take a serious downward turn as a, as a society uh, in the U S is nobody wants yeah. to work. You know, everybody wants everything for free and they want it now. Yeah. And that's a bunch of BS. You can't get anywhere like that, but like your son, the heating and air thing. I mean, if he's working for a company, that's okay. But you know, if he ever started to do his own thing, I mean, man, 
Yeah, especially well, even up there, you got to have heat and you oh, got to yeah. have AC in the summer. Oh yeah. Uh, without an AC, man, that's like life and death situation. I well, mean, those uh, guys, you've gotta, you know. those guys are stacked. Like I've got, I've done, I've had to recharge three AC units in the last month, and you know, luckily I give the guy enough business where I can move up the priority list. But those guys are busy. But the problem is, is that so you get good enough to go on your own and you build a clientele. Now you got to do the opposite. You got to find people to work for you. And, and yeah. you know, so it's kind of you're damned if you do and damned if you don't, you know, because going out on a limb and and, and putting yourself out there is is great because there is an upside. But there's definitely a downside, too, um, which you're finding right now. You can't find people to work. Yeah. And it's tough because a lot of the guys that I do find, this is what typically happens. I'll find guys that are out of jail. Uh, they, they don't have their license because they got drug DUI problems or they didn't pay their child support. It's always a story. Yeah. Uh, and. And it's fine. I don't judge every, I mean, I, I don't go by that. I go by what I, my gut feeling is when I meet the person and then I go from there and then yeah. I watch them and see what happens. But unfortunately, a lot of these guys that are doing laborious work is because they, they don't really want to. They just are kind of like, you know, that's kind of where they wound up. Yeah. You know? and well, they don't have a lot of other options. Right. Their options are limited and it's kind of sad, but my point is, is that it's not like this is the the gutter. You know, this is not, um, I mean, what we do is rough. Don't get me wrong. But I used to pour concrete with some guys when I was 18. And I used to work. I mean, I'd never worked so hard in my life, man. Me and one guy did like a whole subdivision by ourselves. Yeah. All the ways, sidewalks and slabs. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it made me a good concrete. I know a lot about concrete. I can tell you all about, you know, what you know your psi your slump test uh yeah. calcium i mean what, what i mean what, what are we doing it just depends on what kind of mix we want yeah but i i don't want to do concrete because i know you know um how rough it was but uh these guys are getting these trades that, that there's nowadays they're scared but the ones that are in it are kind of because they almost have to be yeah and it, you know it makes it tough man i just wish you guys a generation would come up that wants to to create something, to build something, yeah. you know, because this is, there's something to that. When you sit back and look at what you've done with your hands, uh, it's a, it's a pride thing. I feel it every time I do something. And I know my guys do too, even though we're doing waterproofing yeah, we're problems and we did it by, with our hands, you know, so it's kind of cool. Well, and that's, it's a dying breed, man. I, uh, you know, I don't envy your position. I know I've set, you know, I obviously have people that work for me for the ice cream store, but all my other businesses are, it's either me or my wife. And, and I don't, you know, yeah. I don't like relying on anybody for any, cause it's just, they don't show up. And, you know, like you're saying, you get these people that are forced to do this work because of their past or whatever their situation is. Those yeah. aren't the most reliable people generally. Sometimes they turn around and they, and they do the right thing. But, you know, mm-hmm. if you get somebody who's actually willing to do labor, uh, on a regular basis, man, they, they're not always going to be reliable. That's right, baby. Yeah. On occasion, yeah. you'll find them. But anyway, you got a hard out, man. You got to you got to get going. So tell tell the people uh, if they're in the Atlanta area and they want to do some fun waterproofing work. <laughs> it's very light and uh, easy to do. How how do people find you? Or if they want waterproofing, what what's what's your best uh, way to connect? Well, um, the best way for my business is look up my company. It's called Morris Enviro. Uh, that's what we're called. It's morrisenviro.com. Uh, we're actually Morris Environmental Incorporated, but we had to shorten it up because nobody knows how to spell environmental, you know? Sure, sure. 
problem. So we just made it in Biro. So go to my website. Um, you know, if somebody just in Georgia needs a job and they think they want to give this a go, look me up because I am looking for some good men. And if you need our services, uh, call us. We'll take care of it. Um, and then as an actor. What do you uh, got going on on that front? What's I, I see on your IMDb, you got a lot of stuff coming out, man. You got a lot of stuff in the works. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's tough. You know, it, we, like the COVID thing has really put it uh, kind of put the brakes on that. So I haven't been pursuing anything. I've been focused on nothing but business, my business, and not really. I mean, my agent, what he does send me for auditions, I'll do them. Like the one I had this morning, I shot it. It was from my agent. But I used to actually actively pursue projects, and I've stopped doing that because my time is so limited right now. I've got way too much going on. But, yeah, I do have some cool things coming up, and I've done some cool stuff in the past. Um, acting is a very tough business. Um, you, you know, anybody wants to be an actor as a professional, you better have thick skin. Just You better be prepared to get told no a million times to get one yes. And <laughs> you got to better know that you want to do this because it can really mess with you. And uh, since I've been in this industry, I've known – two people personally that have taken their own lives. Oof. That, yeah, I know. I don't know what's up with that. I don't know if it's just the acting alone. I mean, I'm sure there's other problems involved, maybe some substance abuse that helps. Uh, yeah. Well, it's but, very, it's very stressful. And, and, and I, I can speak to it cause I do, a, I do a lot of auditions every day and there's so much competition, especially right now with the COVID thing, everybody has time. So everybody's auditioning and they're like, those of us who are in the business, Prior to this uh, debacle, you know, mm. you see a lot of it going to people who, you know, home studios and, and we'll, we'll, we'll give this a try because we got nothing else going on. Um, you know, so well, everybody needs to go back to work, <laughs> go back to your real jobs. <laughs> yeah, I know it's, um, but you know, that mentality I have towards my acting is I take it serious, but I don't really give a damn either. You know, it's like, you know what? I don't have to have this job, but if I get it, that's great. I will deliver. I'll do my best. Yeah. But you got to have that mentality. There's a thing that uh, there's a saying is called you know, audition amnesia. You know, it's uh, do it and forget about it. Don't yeah. think about it. You know, if you get a call back, that's great. But just remember, there's other 10, probably 10, 20 other people that's got a call back too, out of the 300 that had the audition in the first place. <sighs> Getting a yes is tough, especially when it's a good paying gig. Yeah. But if you're getting called in for auditions, Hey, that's the, that's the win. Yeah. I mean, I mean, thousands of people wish they were getting auditions, you know, yeah. um, I've that's been so true. lucky and blessed to get plenty of auditions when I was trying, uh, and not just from my agency, but actually on my own too. And, um, I stayed covered up with auditioning and, um, I've had too many projects going at once before. I mean, so I'm not, it, I was selling myself, you know, and just trying to, just like I do in my company, just trying to, uh, trying to grow and trying to get work. What, uh, which, which, which picture or TV show has been the most fun and like, like, you know, that you've enjoyed the most There's, there's I, I'm still, I'm looking at four years of stuff here, man. This is pretty impressive for, for a guy who says, eh, I'll get to it. You know, I'll, I'll, it's not, I don't give a shit if I get it or not. It, it looks like you're getting it. That's why you're winning. Well, I lose a lot. I don't, I don't talk about that either. I mean, I, I've, I've lost a lot and, and I've got some stories that are like, dang, man, really? Cause I had a big call back for Undercover Brother 2 uh, with the Lionsgate Entertainment. I met with the director and the producer. Come down to me and one other guy. A uh, big scene with the main dude. It was a bar. I was a redneck bartender, getting a fight with him and all that. 
And I got the call back and, you know, I, uh, they wound up going with the other guy. My wife thinks because I wasn't, uh, I'm not, uh, not ugly enough, sadly, you know, uh, <laughs> but they loved me enough to call me in for a callback. So they really love what I did. Yeah. Could have been, you know, that would have changed things dramatically. It wasn't no small scene. It was very big. Yeah. And this other thing I'll tell you about, you asked about what was my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. So far there's two, but I'll tell you one. Um, it was, uh, there was a competition for Sony PlayStation Network, and it was an up-and-coming uh, young director's competition. And uh, there was a uh, this local uh, girl that had created a series called Two Roads. I believe that's what it was called. And anyways, I auditioned. I had a, uh, a local casting director send me an audition for this golf. It's called a golf car salesman. It's just a day player role in, one, in the pilot episode that we shot. And it was a, that was like the comedy break. You know, I'm selling this guy a golf cart, but no, but you don't know I'm selling him a golf cart until the very end. Okay. So I'm the salesman that's like, really, I'm throwing out all the tricks of, you know, all these different <laughs> tactics to try to get this guy to say, yeah, okay. So um, I got the part and I went in, I did it. And, you know, I was in a room full of 50 plus people inside of an actual golf cart place. And, um, you know, they were just dying laughing because I was doing it they were over the top. It was, there was some footage of me out there somewhere doing this. And um, anyways, awesome. they loved it so much. Uh, they, the, the producer uh, called me back and wanted me to, they were going to write me in as a main character. I was going to be married to one of the girls. I'm like, well, it's awesome, you know? Yeah. And, she won the competition. So the, the deal was supposed to be a distribution deal for Sony PlayStation Network. So we're, we were going to shoot a whole season that was going to be on a streaming network. Well, it all, that's like the best case scenario for an up and coming actor. I mean, yeah. I got, I was, they liked me enough to make me a, a regular, a season a series regular. And it just got picked up by Sony. Well, that sounded all good. Right. But then months went by and Crickets. Sony oh, no. PlayStation Network pretty much scrapped the whole their whole network, and <laughs> it just went down the toilet, man. It's, nobody did anything. So oh. it, it goes so, so up and down. You just don't know. Yeah. Well, you get you you get you get invested in these things, and you're like, when you're that far down the road, you're like, this is happening, you know. And it's like, yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh crap, it's not happening. Like, like oh. we're so close. It happens all the time. It's it's I'm really not-, not for the faint of heart, man. That the business is very difficult and i think the people that are uh you presume are doing really well at it are just hiding it better than everyone else because everybody's going through the same thing it's it's crazy um, it's a tough bracket. even your big talent that you that you would know if you started naming names them guys yeah they get paid well when they work um but they're, they're also doing other stuff they're not just acting they're maybe creating content yeah. or they're producing with stuff they're they're doing more than just being just an actor um, because being just an actor, I mean, it's just, it's so tough to make it. And, you know, one, what are they? Maybe, maybe on a big number, maybe a hundred in the world that are like crushing it. Maybe, you yeah, know, the, your actor list is very short. Yeah. Out of everybody that's part of the union, the screen actors, the old SAG union. Uh, I think they say like, Three percent, or one, not even that, or is, is is actually making like all the money, you know. So uh, most people are like me; they're uh, they do it because they like it. Mm-hmm. Um, they are it's a craft. You, you just it's never you never it never stops. You just train to be better at it. 
Um, and then, you know, maybe one day you get picked up, get paid well. I mean, my, my goal in acting is just to maybe one day get cast and be like a supporting actor with Matthew McConaughey or something, man. And like a couple of Texas guys at Rob Banks or something, that'd be, that'd make, <laughs> that'd make my acting career. That's yeah, all I want. <laughs> exactly. exactly. It's, it's funny. Before he kicks the bucket, you know, yeah. something like that would be cool. Okay. <laughs> well, and I think I, I think we have the same the same mentality with it. I do the same thing with the voice acting, where I'm like, someday, you know, I'm not. But thankfully, I have these other businesses that that cover me now. Um, sure. If I had to live on it, I definitely wouldn't be this fat. I would be uh, really concerned <laughs> about my meal plan. But um, you know, someday, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm having a hell of a fun time messing around with it, and. You know, yeah, it, it just, and, and I'm, I'm a firm believer and I actually have trained with some of the, the best in the industry and, and I'm a firm believer in it, you, it's being at the right place at the right time. You come across the right guy, you know, you're, you're buying gas at the, at the, at the Dixie stop and, and Matthew McConaughey's in there and all of a sudden, boom, you know, you're, you're playing golf and then you're you're in a, you're in a picture. You know what I mean? It, it's just, yep. it's, it's being in the right place at the right time and, and, you know, yep. having somewhat of a resume, which you've covered, I've really I hate to harp on it, but so does any of this, and I, you don't have to get too uh, in depth, but does any of this stuff pay any real money? Like anything real? Decent. I mean, it's nothing over the top. I mean, you're making maybe commercial work is good. I'll say that that pays good. That can pay on a low end, you know, a few hundred bucks for a half a day to a couple thousand, you know, yeah. um, that movies and TV shows, a lot of that stuff doesn't pay hardly anything, maybe a hundred dollars, 125 bucks a day. Yeah. Stuff like that. It's not, it's definitely not about the money. And like you just said, if I was like trying to do this for a living, man, there's just, I, I don't know, man, I'd have to, you know, there's just, I'd have to, hopefully my wife makes a lot of money because there's yeah. no way I, you know, I mean, right. You're not really going to turn over a lot of, uh, a lot of gold, no. <laughs> doing this, you know, and, until that, that incident happens, and it's funny you said that about, you know, getting started because uh, all the stars align at the same at the right time. Uh, most guys that you hear about, you know, how they made it and how they got started. That's exactly what happened. A, a unique set of events occurred to get them that one part in that big show that was a hit or yeah. whatever that set their career in motion. Yeah. All you got to do is is run across Adam Sandler. He'll put you in something. Uh. <laughs> I'd love to be his friend. Yeah, that's, yeah. That'd be, that'd be, Although I don't know, I don't know if I want to be in those movies. So I, I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to pass. I, I'm good. I got hey man, this other thing. Sandler and David Spade. We'll sit around. I'll be that guy that's always cross-eyed. You know, that <laughs> one, one dude. <laughs> that's always <laughs> whatever it takes, man. Put me in, coach. Hey, man, we got to get you going. So everybody should check uh, Eric out. Uh, his IMDb is Eric James Morris. Uh, and check out the morrisenviro.com for some waterproofing or if you're looking for a job in the uh, Georgia area they uh, he's got all kinds of stuff going on all kinds of options for you um, man we can't thank you enough for the time we're gonna have to check in on you from time to time and uh, and see how things are progressing uh, well, once you land that McConaughey deal and you're like hey I know this uh, overweight DJ in Minneapolis who uh, would love to be <laughs> in the background of something uh, well, definitely, dude. Uh, man, hey, it's been a pleasure talking with you. And uh, yeah, definitely love to talk with you again. For sure. Yeah. We'll check in on you down the road and uh, and uh, see if uh, see if our paths can cross and uh, make some more uh, makes more podcasting magic happen. Um, so everyone, uh, we thank Eric for the time. And uh, sir, we'll check in with you down the road. 
All right. Thank you. Take care, man. Take care. That's it. That's the end. That's a wrap. Read the shtick. That's a wrap for today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and tell all your friends. If you'd like to reach out, you can use the studio line at 612-504-6500 or by email, thedkprojectpodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, there's always social media at the DK Project Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.